2: It is Locked on Jazz for the 29th of October. The Jazz win both over the weekend, and they're a great sign. We'll break down both the wins, look at some interesting early numbers from these guys, and then take a jaunt around the rest of the league where there are dumpster fires everywhere. It's all coming up on today's edition of Locked on Jazz. ba bum 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 how how are you? I'm David Locke, Radio Voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA Insider. This is Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky little numbers, and we'll certainly do that today. This is available for you on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and, of course, any of your home speakers. Thanks very much for tuning in. Hope you had a great weekend. Thanks for everyone who's joined the Locked On Jazz Facebook group. I want to get right to it today. Uh, we'll, we'll do our regular numbers. We've got two games to break down uh, for you. But I want to go big picture for a second. I really liked the win last night against Dallas. The win against New Orleans was also just a, a butt kicking. Just from a big picture standpoint for a second, you have... You know, you go into play Houston if they're at full strength, and or New Orleans at full strength, and and then you have these kind of epic games, and you feel so great after when they're really exhilarating, and you walk out of a Dallas game or a New Orleans without Anthony Davis game, and you can make the mistake, I think, of just being like, oh well, we got that win. You know, if you're supposed to get wins in this league, you've suddenly gotten really good. Uh, there are not a lot of road games. In this league, in which you can feel like you you should have got it, uh, and then there aren't a lot of road games in which I think you're comfortably in control, and I don't want to overstate it in the sense of last night, but I, I never thought the jazz were going to lose last night. Um, and so to me, that feels as though that's kind of a a, a dominating win. They were down four, and it was a battle. And you you thought it was going to be a little bit of a battle, and then our depth kicked in, which I'll, I will elaborate on in a second. and And took back over the game. We we dominated it early, took a decent sized lead, and then they battled back. And then our bench players were dominant. And then they battled back. And then our bench players were dominant. And then our starters closed it. And it was not a game that really felt to me like it was ever in doubt. So if you've suddenly played back-to-back road games in which, you know, we were up by 10 or more for most of that quarter, led by an average of five over the course of the game, which is a lot, never were inside three possessions for most of the end of the game, that's a butt-kicking win. And Dallas is good enough to beat people. They're not a playoff team, um, but they're going to win some games. So I just really thought that, you know, and hey, if we can go get Minnesota, then you're really talking, right? If we can walk into Minnesota, and go four and and0 on this trip, then then we're really talking. But the what what suddenly we're seeing is a team that's again dominant defensively. We've had three straight games, uh, four straight games of a defensive rating of 101 or lower. Uh, in the last two games, our offense was really good, like really, really good. And I just feel like these are wins and the way we went about these two wins that are wins of a good team. That's my point. Uh, I hope it, it's clear. I guess in, in my, my t- biggest messaging or thought is too often we consider whether we're good or not based on the win against those other four or five teams that are as good as we are the wins that probably determine that you're one of those four or five teams that deserves to be thought of as the best in the league is winning in Dallas comfortably. The difference between being a top four team in the Western Conference and probably a 7, 8, 9, 10 team in the Western Conference is the 7, 8, 9, 10 team in the Western Conference I don't think goes into Dallas and wins comfortably, particularly on a back-to-back. All right, let's walk through some numbers from the weekend. Uh, Remember on these offensive rating, league average is about 107, 107 107.5. We're currently 108 for the year, and we're 13th offensively. So that tells you that we're, um, you know, we're right. um, uh, We're kind of right in the middle. The... Offensive rank against New Orleans was a 119, so we really were great that night. Our offensive ranking against Dallas was a 113. So the offense got going both of the last two nights, and what got us going was dunks. And this is going to be really interesting to watch how teams start to react to this. But what our offensive firepower right now is that we're a pretty decent shooting team. Not great, decent. And that we are, uh, and that we are dunking the basketball at an incredible rate. Uh, in the three most recent games against the Rockets, we had twenty field goals in the restricted area. Against the Pelicans, we had thirty. Against the Mavericks and DeAndre Jordan, we had twenty-two. But against Clint Capella and against. Against Clint Capella and against uh, DeAndre Jordan, we're over 20. Against the Warriors, we had 15. Against Marcus, we had 16. So that's a big, big difference. We're also getting eight to nine to ten corner three attempts a game, which is really high. And so we are currently, I haven't checked it as of today. I, I should. And this, I think, is really important. The number one team in... In this is a really geeky stat, but I really like it. Um, the number one team in the league in expected or equivalent field goal percentage. What what this? The stat is quantified shot quality. We'll call it quantified shot quality. QSQ. That's what Second Spectrum calls it. This is the likelihood that any shot goes in if the average NBA player takes the particular shot and we are number one in the nba at qsq now we're our ability to make these shots is below average but over kevin pelton wrote about this as the year goes on these will equal out right now we're at 15th in the league actually a little bit below average We'll get to average, if nothing else, or maybe we're a little bit of a below-average shooting team. I think that's we were 18th last year. So this is it's really vital for us to survive offensively for Quinn's system to get us great looks. Because if we're getting great looks offensively, which are these dunks that we're getting, and these open three looks, then the fact that we're a slightly below-average shooting team covers it up for us. And we are. Right. Rubio's below average. Exum's below average. Royce O'Neal's probably statistically below average. George Yang, certainly not. Holy smokes. Um, and so that's a vital thing. And we Quinn has mastered how to tax the opponent in a manner uh, by which. By which for us to take advantage of that. And, and it's that's a that's a seems like a weird number, uh, but that certainly is a big one. Uh, defensively right now, I believe we're 7th in the NBA in defense. Uh, What's interesting, other than San Antonio being second to last, which is really weird, is how low some of the numbers are while this offensive explosion is going on. Boston is at a 93.4 defensively. Milwaukee is at a 95. Denver's at a 100.7. Memphis is at a 101. Not surprising they caused a problem. So's Indiana and Toronto, and then us. A year ago, we were the number one defense in the league at 101.6. Our defensive rating right now, how weird is this? Our defensive rating right now for the season is almost the exact same as last year. There's an offensive explosion supposedly going on. Not sure it's that true. We'll dig into that this week. Uh, Supposedly going on, and yet we're seventh in the league right now. I think as things settle out, we will, uh, that we can hold this number and we'll get, uh, better. Uh, we'll look at our shot distribution a little bit more, individual shot quality, um, and, Our defense of what I think is actually more important right now in the game, and I'll explain this coming up, is money ball defense than money ball offense. Today's show is brought to you by Murdoch Chevy out in Woods Cross. Tyson does such a nice job with his crew there. Um, The Murdoch family is just so, prides themselves on making sure that you have this experience that represents who they are as people. So when you go to Murdoch Chevy, or any, in whether it's in Woods Cross or in Logan or in Linden, they're going to be certain to make sure that your experience represents who they are as a family. And you're going to get that. And then what they're going to do is they're going to give everything they control to you. That's what the Murdoch's going to do. So, example, you have the price match guarantee. You have the five-day return policy. You have safety inspections for life. You have car washes for life. Then... You have the great customer service. Extra hours open for the service department. All the things that they as a dealership can control to make sure that you have the best experience you possibly can. They'll give you the discounts and the pricing. Chevy's making the cars, and boy, are they ever. The Equinox I'm driving right now is just terrific. It was funny. I was listening to the Chicago Bulls radio, and Chuck Sworsky was talking, saying, I don't do a lot of endorsements, which I don't say. Uh, (laughs) And he was like, but I'm driving an Equinox. I'm like, I am too. And he said, oh, it's got a great ride, and it's quiet, and it's got great acceleration. I'm like, that's all true. I've experienced that as well. Uh, They also have the Suburban, the Tahoe. The Traverse is worth looking into. It's got three rows of seat, every bell and whistle you can imagine. Really, really impressive top to bottom it is murdoch chevy out in woods cross out in linden and or up in logan as well check it out say out to tyson when you stop by murdoch chevy
0: life is complicated especially right now you're spending more time inside unable to go to restaurants and that means you're cooking dinner but if you're like me i hate cooking
2: By the way, we have got a really cool new Twitter feed called Locked on NBA Net. It is the collection of all of our Locked on Podcast Network hosts on one feed. I actually just have as a feed on my tweet deck. It's really cool. The other one we've launched is on Instagram, Locked on NBA Net. Also will be the biggest stories in the NBA, kind of in little 30-second to a minute-long uh, pieces for you Uh in the stories. I think you'll really like that. So on Instagram, locked on NBA net and on Twitter, locked on NBA net. Uh, All right. Shot distribution offensively. We've touched on now. Let's go to that same concept defensively. And Let me explain for a second why I think um, that money ball defense might be becoming more important than money ball offense. So last year, if you take the Houston Rockets, for example, They were doing this incredible thing, shooting 80% of their shots as smart shots, smart shots being restricted area in three, and nobody else in the league was anywhere near them. And there were three teams in the league last year that were taking 70% of their shots as smart shots. Well, as of Saturday, that number was 17. It may have dropped a second. I'll update my numbers here in a second. Which means that on the offensive end, the margin difference between what you can do, what teams are doing, is diminishing. Now you just have to be good. Um, the, the Rockets believe that they won nine games last year because of their numbers advantage. I, I, I might actually agree with them. Uh, my numbers came out, my points gain numbers came out to something somewhat similar to that. Um, which is incredible. That, they, that you have that kind of advantage. The number advantage now in the league, which I've got to fix some spreadsheet things so I don't have it exactly, is not nearly that number. And so the offensive discrepancy is much smaller than it used to be, which means that what used to be the smaller thing, which was the defensive money ball, I think is now becoming more important. Um, and I think it's going to be very interesting to see how that plays. So, if we go to defensive shot quality, which, um, again, quantified shot quality measures the likelihood of any shot going in if the average player in the NBA takes it. After last night's game, we are now, have slipped to fifth. We were second going into last night's game. Dallas must have (coughs) gotten a bunch of pretty good shots at the rim in that game. Um, The... But by being fifth and then having... And sometimes we're willing to allow a few more shots at the rim than other teams because we have Rudy sitting there. Uh, Milwaukee is one. Terry Stotts, who is just the most underrated coach of this league, despite the fact his general manager seemingly is always on the verge of firing him, just runs great defensive systems using Nurkic in a manner that Mike Malone couldn't figure out. Um is number two. Toronto is three. San Antonio is four. Which leads you to believe, by the way, that San Antonio is actually just having some terrible luck. Dallas is having the worst luck. We're five, and we're actually also forcing people into misses right now. You know, I don't know how, you know, over time you would think. Right now, the Clippers, Boston, and Milwaukee are having, are very, Toronto are very lucky. Teams are missing shots. San Antonio, Dallas, Cleveland and New York, and maybe the two of those are just bad, are unlucky, and we're kind of on the unlucky scale um, as well. We're we're right into that mix where uh, actually no, we're we fort- We're right in the middle of the pack where teams are actually missing some shots against us. Uh, but that's I think that's an important aspect of of this is that we're just playing all of our mechanism. We're playing. Every way we play is right. Quinn's got us so perfectly prepared that we're playing this game. We're playing the game correctly, forcing people in the right spots, and over time, that just wins you games. It just it helps you. out. New Orleans, was able to get on the rim against us. They took 34 shots against us at the rim, and then uh, Rick Carlisle ran a brilliant system with DeAndre Jordan up at the top of the key, throwing bounce passes to cutters while Rudy Gobert suddenly came up to DeAndre Jordan, they got 37 shots at the rim. Now, league average at the rim is about 64 65%. Both those teams were at 59%, which is, um, you know, a tribute to Rudy. We allowed a few more corner threes the last two nights, which is a little unusual for us, so we got fortunate the last three nights that teams are not hitting their above-the-break threes against us. Houston was 8 of 29 New Orleans was 6 of 27. Houston, uh, last night, Dallas was an incredible 3 of 18. So, you know, we, we are, we're getting a little fortunate in some of these things. Uh, the bench unit last night was just terrific. Absolutely terrific. Uh, and that's the other part of last night to me that shows that the, we might be really good. I mean, I think we kind of knew this, but I'd like to be reconfirmed. On the road... Back to back against a team that can beat people and your bench is superior and your bench wins the game for you. Like our bench is way better than their bench. Their group they had out there was bad. And our bench, because we like our guys, you know, I guess if you know who Maxi Kleiber is and Dorian Finney-Smith and Dwight Powell and uh, J.J. Barea and Jalen Brunson, then maybe you like their group a little bit. But, uh, you know, I don't that that to me seems like a weaker group. Quinn did some interesting things where he put Joe Ingles into that second unit to run that second unit, and then Dante Exum, the box score will certainly not show it to you at one five, but he was fabulous. His speed changed the game last night, uh, and he was all over the ten. Had three assists and a beautiful pass out to George Niang. George Niang was brilliant. I don't. Quinn's got himself a little bit of a problem here because Tabo Cephalosha is going to want to play thinks he deserves to play, rightfully so, does deserve to play, and George Niang deserves to play. Now, Jay Crowder sprained his ankle late in the game, and if Jay Crowder's unavailable, then we don't have a problem anymore. Um, But we'll see whether Jay can get with two days of treatment, not playing until Wednesday, um, whether or not he might be able to uh, get through that a little bit better than he would otherwise. It was too bad. Harrison Barnes stuck his foot right under uh, Jay Crowder, exactly the way they're supposed to protect and uh they didn't and jay crowder sprained his ankle because of it jay was terrific last night 34 minutes just one of five from three he's not shooting that three well at all again he's he's on a little bit of a slump there but uh he had a great impact on the game uh guarding luka donkic gave him a difficult time i thought last night donkic had five turnovers trying to force passes inside the jazz defense uh but that bench unit was the story to me uh royce o'neill Played very well. His rebounding is an important aspect of things, particularly with Alec not on the floor. Grayson's not much of a rebounder, and so Royce O'Neal grabbing four of them. Grayson Allen got his first time as a rotation player in 13 minutes, Hit th- uh, was plus 17 Uh had 11 points, had a beautiful drive to the basket where he kept a good balance underneath him, got up on top of the cup. He had another play where he was on the right wing and they were going to uh, overshade him on the pick and roll to his left, so he just took a dribble to his right and buried the three. Kid can really shoot it. Uh, So the fact that the Jazz bench led them to that performance last night to me is another one of those tip of that. I just have a bunch of little check marks I feel like we've notched off. Given a gift in Houston and New Orleans, took advantage. Played a Dallas team on a back end of a back to back that's capable of beating you and really were in control the whole game. Won the game via the bench unit. All of these to me, defense beginning to click in. That was one of my biggest questions. I got asked what's the biggest question? Whether the defense could be as dominant as it was last year. That's four straight games of one oh one or less on a defensive rating. All those things are clicking into place, showing me that this is as good a basketball team as many of us had hoped. If you're a small business owner and you have one to five employees, I've got a way for you to save time, money, and get rid of a hassle. It's called Mizuma USA. The way it works is you sign up with Mizuma and they assign a CPA and a bookkeeper to you. Yep, that's right. You no longer have to do your taxes Well, you still have to do taxes, but you don't have to do them yourself. You no longer have to do your own bookkeeping. You can just work on your small business making money the way you need to do so. One to five employees. You can use Mizuma USA to keep your books. One person gets assigned to you as a CPA. Another person's assigned to you as a bookkeeper. They stay with you, and every month you get a monthly report. Every quarter you get a tax call, and... Then at the end, when it's all said and done, the beauty of all of this is your taxes are ready and done for you. It's Mizuma USA. You can go online to MizumaUSA.com, and when you're there, use the promo code LOCKED. It's $75 a month to start, Uh, and let them know you heard it on Locked on Jazz. You can call and ask some other questions if you have some, 801-980-2102. 801-980-2102. 801-980-2102. It's important for me to mention, no contract. You can cancel at any time, and there are no hidden fees. It's mazumausa.com 801-980-2102.
1: Hi, this is Nate Duncan from Locked On's Hollinger and Duncan podcast. Those of you who listen to our show know that I try to take a measured approach. I'm not prone to hyperbole. It really takes something special to get me excited. But with all that said, Theragun is simply one of the best products that I have ever used. I just turned 40. I've always loved to work out, to play basketball when it's safe, and as I got into my 30s, it just wasn't possible to do that anymore the way I wanted to because my body didn't feel right and Theragun has helped me fix so many of the aches and pains i tried everything massages chiropractors this at-home device handheld percussive therapy has worked better than any of those for me and now the all-new Gen 4 Theragun has a proprietary brushless motor it's so quiet it's no louder than an electric toothbrush and best of all you can try Theragun risk-free for 30 days there's no substitute for the Theragun Gen 4 with an OLED screen personalized Theragun app and the quiet and and power you need starts at only $199. Go to theragun.com slash locked on the name of this network right now and get your Gen 4 Theragun today. That's theragun.com slash locked on com slash locked on. I want to take a second and look around the league. We don't have quite enough sample size
2: yet to um, you know, say, you know, six, five, six games two weeks into. To really be certain about what we're seeing. Um, The best plus minus teams are interesting to me. uh, Because they are Milwaukee, Golden State, Toronto, Indiana and the Clippers. Uh, The Clippers blew out Washington last night. Then Denver, Utah, Boston. It's beginning to be what you think. No one's talking about Indiana. But Indiana made these subtle offseason moves. And is really playing very, very well. Um, in fact, Indiana and Milwaukee are both playing much better than Boston and Philadelphia. Toronto, I think, is the class of the Eastern Conference. Uh, Philadelphia is hovering around 3-3 and, uh, three and three right now. Um, there's some interesting middle-level Eastern Conference teams that probably aren't very good. Um, the surprise to me, Cleveland 0-6, I did not see that coming. They just seemed to have any juice for the season. And Washington, one and five, boy, it sure seems so. The internal turmoil of the Washington Wizards is such that <clears throat> they completely just—they they don't have it. They don't have the interest in playing together. Um, and Scotty Brooks, who's a good man, is probably on the rocks a little bit uh, here. But the Eastern Conference, Indiana, to me. Is the team that's interesting right now? They were the forgotten team in the offseason. They added Doug McDermott. They added um, Tyreek Evans, so they got a little deeper. And they don't their wins are Memphis, Brooklyn, San Antonio, and Cleveland, so it's nothing to write home about. <clears throat> but their losses are mil- are against Milwaukee, at Milwaukee, and in Minnesota. We'll s- they don't have much coming up. They have a homestand of Boston, Houston and the 76ers in a little bit that will tell us probably a little bit more. But again, to kind of the, my point of this whole show with the Jazz, beating bad teams is a huge part of this league. Um, so we'll see on that one. The Pelicans play again tonight. Uh, everyone's on that bandwagon now, which pisses me off because I was the first one on it, but let's just kind of keep watching it and seeing what's going on. The Clippers, who I said were a playoff team, are four and two. Um, and look, every bit, Uh, That good. Uh, The Jazz, unfortunately, get Memphis, by the way, three times early in the season, and I think Memphis is pretty good right now. They won't be by the time the season's over, but they're pretty good. The Clippers' wins are Oklahoma City, Houston twice, and a blowout win over Washington. They're about to go on the road to Oklahoma City, Orlando, and Philadelphia. I think it's Philadelphia and Orlando. Come home for one and then head up to Portland. So I think the next five games will tell us a little bit about... um, the Clippers, and then they have home against Milwaukee and a home against the Warriors, and then a home against the Spurs. So frankly, between now and November 15th, the next eight-game stretch by the Clippers will tell us a little bit about what's really taking place um, there. So is the league really playing that differently, and is the offense really that much better uh, than it's been before? And the answer is is a little bit in between. Uh, and we'll talk about it more this week, and I'll, I'll break it down for you. But you're hearing all this. You're going to hear it all week about the offensive explosion leak. Here's what we have. We have a slight pace explosion. Um, we have better, and we have smarter shots going on. And so, therefore, you're you're getting four or five more points out of pace, and you're getting... Two or three more shots out of just taking better shots. Uh, I think we're up 69% smart shots. Last year, we were at 65. It's actually a tremendous change in shot distribution. So, uh, to me, that's that's the takeaway of what's going on in the league right now is the big shot distribution change, and everyone is talking about it in different and other manners, but I think that's really uh, the truthful thing. All right, I think that's just the quick... um, I mean, I think Houston's in trouble. Uh, Their quotes that came out this weekend about trying to fix their defense and all that were very troublesome. Um, I think Oklahoma City's not quite right in the Lakers. Minnesota, I I cannot tell what's going to happen there. Uh, But it's good. We get to play them on Wednesday and see uh, up close and can probably uh, have a part of it. They play against the Lakers tonight, and then they play... Uh, against us, and if we can, and they've lost two in a row, and they've but they've played their losses against pretty good teams, uh, the Spurs, Dallas, then Toronto and Milwaukee. Minnesota went into Dallas and lost, uh, and then they have an interesting stretch. So they play the Lakers tonight, then us, then they go on the road for Golden State, Portland, Clippers, Lakers, Kings. They could, they could, they need to win tonight, and they need to beat us. If we get them and they go to 2-6 and six before they go to Golden State, Portland, Clippers, Lakers, they could be done uh, in a hurry. They're, they're on the precipice, and it will be interesting to see if we can push them over the top. All right, I look forward to doing some more shows. We don't have a game till Wednesday, so tomorrow we'll do some more deep dives and talk about some of our guys. Oh, I was going to do shot distribution of our guys today, but I'll do that tomorrow. Um, there's some interesting numbers. Donovan Mitchell is doing some really incredible things here in the early going of the season. We'll have that on tomorrow's show. Uh, Make sure you go subscribe to or follow locked on NBA net on Instagram, as well as uh, follow
1: locked on NBA net on Twitter. Have a great one. Rejecting the screen has been retweeted by Kobe Dame Lillard and Vince Carter. So it's fair to say you should give it a shot. I'm Noah Kozlov and I'm Adam Stanko
0: rejecting the screen, hits your feed every Tuesday and Thursday on Tuesday,